0: Uh, Hello and welcome to episode 53, I think, of the European show. And so this is our third review of the season. And we'll also do the Champions League at the end. Uh, As obviously that is on the day this goes out. And so obviously Nick would have been here, but obviously he would have heard the message at the beginning why he wasn't here so he didn't make it cuz his voice is not working after celebrating too hard for Atletico Madrid winning the league but Alex is here to join me anyway as he was pl- as was planned before so how are you Alex and welcome back as well
1: thank you for having me back on yeah i'm very well thank you i'm uh, i've had no league title to celebrate so i'm 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 doing fine i'm doing just fine
0: so obviously it is the same format as the others so we'll
1: briefly look at um,
0: over the games that happened over the or the, in the final weekend we'll go over any news surrounding the league and then we will give out our awards awards and our team and we'll give our team of the season as well so looking back at the, the games from from the weekend the the biggest one or the biggest story out of this was Werder Bremen who have won the Bundesliga four times getting relegated after losing 4-2 to Brüxen, Mönchengladbach, and, and obviously last year they finished in the relegation playoff, and so you kind of expected this demise. Do you do you think it was a bit of a stupid decision to sack Florian Cofield, especially a week before, or should they have just done it anyway and just or what they did?
1: I think it was a bit a bit pointless. Yeah, at the end, just because you know they hadn't they hadn't won a game since. Uh, when was it, the 26th of February, I think it was against Frankfurt, they hadn't won a game. So they'd been on a run of, of something like 10 or 11 games without winning before they played the final game. And at some point within that period, that run, you've got to think, you know, we've got three, four games left. Let's make a decision now to help us out. Because they actually had... Not a terrible run in, but they had an okay run in. Like they they were they played against Union. Obviously, they played against Leverkusen, Augsburg, and Gladbach in the last four games. You would have expected them perhaps to have beaten an Augsburg. Uh, they got a point against Leverkusen, and you know Union and Gladbach had tough games as well. But you you think maybe if they get a boost from a different manager that they can pick up points along the way there. But you as you said, it's it's been a long time coming really for Bremen. I feel like Schalke's free fall has been. Uh, like a roller coaster of the last year, and Bremen's has been stretched out over the last three or four years. Where, um, I, I've at the in the last couple of days, um, working for the Bundesliga, we've been comparing them a little bit to Union Berlin and the fact that Union have come up, bought all the right players that they wanted for their system, the way they wanted to play, and uh, at a cheap cost. And, and you can see them now, obviously, pushing and getting themselves into Europe. Whereas Bremen in the last few years have always had these warning signs of, you know, relegation is looming. We need to sort themselves out. Last summer, basically the entire summer was dedicated to Milot Rosicka's saga about whether he's going to leave or not. He stayed in the end and then didn't play for a month or so. So I think it's just down to a lot of mismanagement over the last few years. And then, um, you know, the way that the season ended again, mismanagement in sacking the coach. Yeah, so the the fact that Thomas Schaf only had a game and it was against Gladbach didn't really give them much hope, and I felt like it should have been lessons learned over the last four years, not just the last four months or so, where Bremen should really have saved themselves.
0: You mentioned about the the, the new manager bounce, but maybe if they made the decision not what with one game left of the season where it was all or nothing, and they maybe had done it when you with the four games left, they could have probably escape delegation if that bounce happened. Obviously, it was the wrong timing to do it and giving him so much to do uh, with a game that had so much on the line and it obviously backfired. Did you expect Milot Rashica and probably Josh Sargent both to leave?
1: Milot Rashica, yes, definitely. I'd expect him to leave. Josh Sargent, I'm not entirely sure. I, I mean, he was already getting linked with a few teams before the end of the season, so... It seems like it would be possible, but I mean, it's a big question for him to to want to drop down to the second division for a year. I don't know if he wants to do that in his development. Um, my thinking would point towards him probably leaving as well, but I'm not entirely sure how high up in the Bundesliga he could go if he if he did leave. Um, obviously, Matthew Hoppy is going to stay at Schalke and try and you know get them back up to the the Bundesliga straight away. But I feel like Sargent is. He's obviously a few years ahead of Hoppy in his development, and that might play a role in his in his decision of th- thinking I'm um, I'm not at the right age to be taking a year in the second division. Yeah. So obviously that does mean in the wider Bundesliga there is
0: Hamburg, Schalke, Werder Bremen, and potentially Cologne as well, which here are all giants of of the of German football, and it just makes for interesting viewing. Next year, especially with Dynamo Dresden, who are not not as big, but are, are a oh, yeah. decent-sized team, getting promoted as well.
1: Yeah, Dresden are a huge, huge club as well. So in terms of fan base, definitely. So I think uh, a lot of people um, are saying already that the Schweizer Bundesliga is going to be more interesting to watch yeah. than the Bundesliga next. Year. And it's it's fair to be to be honest, because it's a much more competitive league at the moment. At least at the top, we saw how that ended up on the last day with. Um, and and Bochum going up. So, um, yeah, it's going to be awesome to watch that with so many teams. And and obviously, I think the thing is, every every year in the, in the side of bundesliga for the last few years, there's been three or four or five teams who've expected to go up and there's always been one or two who've come out of nowhere to go up. And uh, now, next season, there's going to be six or seven teams who you'd say... Could go up, and then who knows? Who knows who else is going to be pushing for it as well? So it's going to be like half the league battling for the for the promotion. Spot. I think,
0: especially since Hamburg got relegated, it's been it's
1: a bit like people watching League League One
0: for Sunderland. It's a bit like that. So people just want to focus on Hamburg to see either are they going to get promoted or they're going to bottle it again. And it seems to be they yeah. continue to bottle it. But obviously, on a on a sad note, Munch Munson Gladbach. Gladbach said goodbye to Oscar Vent who ends his 10 years at the club and he's, he's gone through it all from the battling relegation to you know, being in the Champions League as well and yeah so he's gone back to Sweden which is a shame uh, so obviously we witnessed history last weekend as well when Robert Lewandowski managed to break the Gerd Muller 40 goal record scoring his 41st goal of the season in which breaking record that many soon saw was unbreakable. And what was funny about this was the fact anything that was going into the box or towards the goal, he was just trying to get a touch on it, just so to try and divert it into the box, whether that, like for the Serge Gnabry's goal, he just tried to touch that in because that's how much it meant to him. And obviously he's shown great respect um, to Gerd Muller as well, who is suffering from dementia is it or is it Alzheimer's yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Alzheimer's yeah so it, it, it was great to finally see um, that that being broken and it, it just makes you think if Lewandowski didn't get injured how many goals would he have scored
1: no definitely because obviously as you said he, he missed five games in the end so to score 41 goals from 29 games is, is absolutely ridiculous Um And, you know, you could see at the end of the the final game how he was just a bit shocked. And obviously that came from the fact that it took him 90 minutes to score that goal and took him, whatever it was, five really huge chances to score. But when you look over the season, um, it's so deserved just because, you know, he scored four hat-tricks, he scored four goals in one game, he scored five braces. Uh, He didn't go more than one game without scoring a goal, and it's just absolutely ridiculous numbers from this guy. And, you know, last season, I think he, uh, what did he do last season? He missed five games and, and fell a couple of goals short and said, he said at the end of the season, you know, if I'd if I played those five games, then I feel like I could have, could have broken it. And now, obviously, he's, he's not played in five games and he's still broken it. And so that ability from him, the mindset to, and even the just the longevity of him to have that amazing season that he had last season... But to still come back and do that um, is just absolutely incredible. So for him to do that is it, it puts him... For me, I asked a question on Twitter a few weeks ago, like, is, is Lewandowski on the level of a Cristiano Ronaldo and a Lionel Messi now? And obviously, the, the answer is quite clearly no in terms of long-term legendary status because he's not done anywhere near as much as those guys have. But he's done something that that genuine Bundesliga fans for like over the last 40 years never thought would ever ever happen and now he's even close to breaking Gerd Muller's record if he stays at Bayern for three four years then there's a real chance of that happening so I feel like this has really put him on that pedestal Um, and what is obviously even better for him is he turns 33 in August but he's as we saw when he took his shirt off to celebrate he's got the body of a 25 year old and he's He's clearly working to maintain that and he's got no interest in calling time anytime soon. So I'm I'm of the belief and um, a lot of other people are that he's going to at least score 35 goals next season and maybe even 40 goals again and, and we'll, we'll keep going for these records again and again because he's at that level now and Bayern are at that level where they're scoring 100 goals a season and he's scoring almost half of them, which is just bizarre.
0: And I think as long as... Uh... Thomas Muller, who seems to provide the assist for a lot of those goals, is continuing at his peak. Then, yeah, you know, Lewandowski's probably going to end up smashing the Gerd Muller overall records as well.
1: There's no Lewandowski without exactly, Thomas Muller, that exactly. has to be
0: said. But obviously, it was a sad day for Bayern Munich as well, as they said goodbye to David Alaba, who today announced he was joining, uh, or Real Madrid announced they were signing him. Javi Martinez and Jerome Boateng. Obviously, Martinez's role wasn't as big, especially over the past few years. But obviously, David Alaba has been a key part of the team for, for, for 11 years. And Jerome Boateng has also been a key part. And do you think that the the signing of Upe Meccano, is, is he going to be enough to obviously replace one of them? Most likely Boateng, and do you think the existing players are going to be good enough to provide the backup or replace Alaba and Boateng?
1: It's going to be really, really interesting because obviously Nagels coming in, Nagelsman's coming in, and he plays exclusively or almost exclusively with three at the back, um, which is what Bayern have not been doing for the last eighteen months or so in a Hansi Flick, and that means that there's obviously an extra centre back spot. Um, and you think, you know, you've got Nicolas Sula, Dato Papacano is coming in, Lucas Hernandez is there, Chris Richards is obviously returning from his loan at Hoffenheim, there's Tiangi Nianzu, who's not had the greatest start to his life at Bayern, who's hanging around, so there's depth there already, um, but you do feel like maybe they need some better depth, or maybe it's a, it's, a, it's definitely a question that they're going to be thinking about Um and obviously, you lose a bit of versatility with David Alaba. Even Javi Martinez was able to play centre back sometimes. So there's three guys who who are playing in those positions who who have left, and and you can't you know you can't replace them all exclusively. And obviously, you know they've had a lot of midfielders leave in the in the recent past as well. Obviously, Thiago left last season, and Mark Roca came in and hasn't quite lit up the way that not not that anyone expected him to come in and start ahead of Kimish and Goretzka, but. Um, you feel like there's a few heads that might be disappointed about his signing so far. So there's a lot of question marks about their recruitment for this summer, what they're going to be doing. Um, but obviously Upamakana is a huge signing. And I think for Nagelsmann, it's really important that he has Upamakana there already because he's obviously knows him very well and knows that he can trust him. Um, and then Hernandez and, and Sula are the three main guys. But I'm, I'm actually really hopeful of, of Chris Richards getting a lot of minutes for Bayern next season because he had a good end to the season with Hoffenheim and he's going to come back and compete for a, for a place without having Alaba or Boateng around. You feel like he's really on the cusp of getting a starting, starting place, especially with Sula being injured. So um, I'm expecting Bayern to do some more business, but they are still well set you would say when you when you think of the five centre backs that they do have they are they are well set. Oh, like they're not exact like for likes, but Chris Richards has a similar like he
0: plays centre back and right back similar to that of Nordi Muchieli and what Lucas Korsman used to do as well. So as you said they they play well, likes to play through at the back. So it is entirely possible that Chris Richards could either become the starting right back or even have a role as a centre back, especially with um Saar not being
1: the best yeah yeah definitely and and I obviously missed out Benjamin Pavard as well and and, you know we've we've looked into how Nagelsmann might not line up with Bayern and looked at the fact that he played Serge Gnabry at at right wing back in his time at Hoffenheim uh, a few times so Gnabry even got asked a couple of weeks ago if he would be up for playing in that position again and he said (laughs) no but if I have to, then I will. And, you know, that brings with it some questions as well, because if Naby plays in that right wing-back position, then you've got six centre-backs for three positions, basically. And then, then there's no question mark about the depth that they have. So, um, I mean, I think Nilesman is just going to be really excited to to work with the quality of players that they have and, and see what kind of system he can come out with, yeah. And so, obviously, Nilesman's
0: last game in charge of Bayern Munich didn't... Oh, not Bayern Munich. Uh, RB Leipzig didn't go as planned as obviously they, they lost 2-1 to Union Berlin. Um, in, in what was a big game for Union Berlin as as they were fighting for qualification for the Conference League with München Mönchengladbach, Stuttgart and Freiburg. And they needed to win to, to qualify as Gladbach had beaten um, Brissi Mönchengladbach had beaten Werder Bremen. And in the 92nd minute, ex-Bristy Mönchengladbach player Max Kruse pops up with the winner to send Union into Europe, which is a great story as it's shown over their rise over two years. The fact that only two years ago they were in the Svijde Bundesliga in the, in the playoff against Stuttgart and now they're finishing ahead of them in the league and in Europe as well.
1: No, their rise has just been incredible. I think... Um, we're going to talk about it later with the awards and stuff, but I would definitely put Urs Fisher up for a Coach of the Year award just because, um, you know, they had the first season and you get it all the time with new teams coming up. They can do really well in the first season. We saw it in England with Sheffield United going straight back down. And I think that happened in England with Sheffield United just because they didn't recruit as well as they could have. And that's what I spoke about earlier with Union's recruitment in comparison to a team like Bremen. Um, there are... There are I wouldn't say tiny, they're a small club in comparison to Bremen, but the fact that they brought in guys like Max Kruse, really experienced Bundesliga player for free, um, you know, who's he's, he's the kind of guy who wants to lead a team, be the best player on a team and and inspire others. And it was just the perfect fit for a guy like him. Um, and obviously they brought in a lot of other guys like Robin Knocker at the back, who had a fantastic season coming from Wolfsburg. You could expect him to say, I've gone away from Wolfsburg, I've you know, I've been forced out by newcomers there. I'm, um, you know, maybe I'm just not going to try as as hard at Unión. But he had the mentality to say, look, I'm going to show everyone that I'm I've still got it, what it takes. Um, and you, 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 I just love to watch Unión play because they have a system, they have a way of playing, they have a style, and they don't change from it. They're they're hard hitting and you know, attack minded down the wings, crossing and and winning duels and just giving everything. And that's. That's the embodiment of that club, and then partner that with good management in in upstairs and getting in the right players, and and look what you can do. And obviously, this summer already we're not even we're not even started the transfer window, and they've signed Genki Haraguchi from Hanover, and they've signed Levinos Tanali from from Mainz, who are two really good squad players who are going to help them out massively in the in the Europa Conference League. So, I honestly feel like the management board at Union needs to get just as much credit as the players and the team, because they're the ones who've really built this up properly. And they're the ones who I think could even keep Union in these sorts of positions. Cause you look at around, you look at the Bremen, as the Schalkers dropping off, you look at even a Gladbach having a troubled season Stuttgart have obviously come up and, and might not stay up there again next season. Freiburg are always on the cusp, but don't quite have enough. There's, you feel like there's a step there. There's a place there that's missing for, for a team to, set themselves in between 7th or 8th and and I don't see a team right now set better for it than, than Union Berlin yeah well what is a shame though is the fact that they may
0: not be able to play in their own stadium and they may actually have to play in the Olympic Stadion because it, their stadium doesn't it just shows how quickly they've risen that their stadium does not meet UEFA standards and that they they have to put play in their rival stadium so obviously Onto Cologne, who had a big game against Schalke. Obviously, Schalke seemed to pick up form in recent weeks now that they've confirmed, relegate, or confirmed to be relegated. And they made it difficult for Cologne as well. And it required an 86-minute winner from Sebastian Bornau to send them into the relegation playoff and take them out of um, the automatic position, which obviously went to Werder Bremen. But then it, it hasn't gone to plan yet, as obviously in the playoffs, they played Holstein-Kiel. And at home, they ended up losing 1-0. And so it now makes it a very tense and nervous affair when they head to Kiel, as Kiel will also have fans back in the stadium. So it's going to be a very interesting affair to see whether Cologne do get relegated in fact.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, as you said, I think, as you said earlier, this will come out on a Saturday and obviously that's the day that the game is happening before the Champions League final, the precursor yeah. to that. So, um, And with over 2,000 Kiel fans in, then Cologne are going to be right up against it. It's the first time, I think it's the first time in 10 years, it might be the first time ever that a second division team has won a game in the playoff, um, which is amazing. So for Cologne, it's it's real backs against the wall kind of stuff because you watch that game and like, cologne were on top for most of it but also never really created any clear-cut chances which is a credit to keel they have the best defense in the second division all of last season and they they proved it even without um merling and method who are two of their main midfielders who were both suspended they still looked really really good really compact and and obviously got themselves a a, a scrappy goal from a from a set piece at the other end and that's the kind of thing that will that will get you up if you if you have a uh you know a proper game plan and i feel like that's something that's been missing from cologne in the last couple of years i feel like the way that they've you know they got to the europa league what was it four or five years ago now and they had a way of playing that was really good really fun to watch um a pace and attack and and, and just really going for teams but now the last few years you've they don't really have much of an identity and and that comes from the fact that you keep going up and down, changing coaches, not being able to really invest in the squad and keep it together for more than two or three years, and uh, and I just feel like they lack a, a, a style, they lack a way of playing that they can really build from. Um, you know, Freedom Funkel calls come in; he he he's a very experienced coach who who knows he usually knows how to get teams promoted, not how to keep them up, but he's you know done a good job in getting to them to this position. Um, but the quality that they have in their squads, got, the guys like Andre Duda, who was fantastic when he was back at Hertha, Sebastian Anderson came from uh, Union. Like you look at that in the in the summer, last summer and think, oh, wow, Cologne are making some good moves. They could, you know, push up mid-table this season. But because they don't, you know, have a style that they've bought for or, or a way that they're playing that they've tried to invest in, it's not quite worked out. And uh, until until that happens, until that, you know, structure comes in or, a bit of consistency. If they can stay in the Bundesliga this season and then try and build on that, then maybe good things can come. But until then it's tricky. And I, I would hedge my bets against against them on, on Saturday. I, I would probably imagine that Kiel are going to uh, do it and, and come up for the first time ever. Yeah, exa- exactly. And that, that's what I would say pushes it for Kiel
0: as well, as they they want to be in the Bundesliga for the first time ever. And... So, so that's going to drive them to, to, get the promotion. But, like as you said about Cologne, yeah, I think the last time we were on we talked about Hertha Berlin being one of these teams. But Cologne have have the, like resources, and everything around this club to be a big team. They're in the fourth biggest city. In Germany, they they've got there's everything that they need to attract big players and become a big team but because they've run poorly higher up it's clearly affected them big time
1: sorry yeah it's quite funny about living in the city you 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 get you know you get the feeling that the fans they've been used to them being good before but it's been a good 15 20 years now since they were you know fighting for bundesliga titles or fighting for european places even um, you know, the, the one anomaly of the last four or five years when they got into the Europa League. But you get the feeling that they, the fans think that the team is, is better than what it is and, and expect them to be better than what, better than what they are. And um, sometimes you feel like it just needs a bit of a reality check that they're, they've become this yo-yo club in the last few years. And uh, that I mean, as I said before, it's, it's going to take something, it's going to take a lot of hard work to, to make that different. And I,
0: I, I obviously, I do have a thing against Cologne, but um, <laughs> you, know, you mentioned how the whole situation around Anthony Modest. Modest, when they were chasing for the Europa League, was one of the top goal scorers in the Bundesliga. And he goes to China, comes back, does all right for a tiny bit, and is being cast away again to Saint-Etienne. So he... he it just doesn't make sense, really. Like the whole situation with him doesn't make sense, as obviously he was a great striker and one of the best in the country, but has now fallen off because obviously there's been some disagreement within with him and the club. But what what makes what is the pinnacle for me regarding Cologne is Hennis. So obviously Hennis is their mascot. I've got nothing against against Hennis. It's just the fact that he's named after. And it's Weissweiler because he won the, the Bundesliga with Cologne. But what's funny to yeah. me is the fact that he won more with Borussia Mönchengladbach. <laughs> that that's the thing that kind of just makes me think how Cologne a bit of a joke in a way, that their mascot is yeah. named after um, their arch best ever manager.
1: It's quite a Cologne. It's quite a fitting thing for a team like Cologne that that is... That is what their mascot is named after. You're very right. You're very true. You are very true. And so the
0: final game we'll, we'll briefly look at because it didn't have any. It didn't carry any significance to it. It Was Dortmund versus Leverkusen finished three one? Harlan scored twice. Marco Rosa bagged. Mark not Marco Rosa. Marco Royce bagged the other. But most importantly, it was Sven and Lars Bender's last game as as professionals. I do find it weird how they both retired at the exact same time. <laughs> but obviously Lars Bender gets subbed on quite close to the end for Sven Bender and Leverkusen win a penalty, they give it to Lars Bender and Roman Burki just stands there and there's Bender score and it's a nice way for his career to end.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I was actually watching that game for Bundesliga.com and working on it and it ha- obviously that all happened when Lewandowski had just scored his goal. So the, honestly, I was trying to look at about 15 different screens, but couldn't really concentrate on any of them. And at one point, I uh, I saw last Bender come on, looked away at the, uh, you know, looked at Bayern watching Lewandowski score his goal. And then I looked back and last Bender was stepping up to take a penalty. So I was like, oh, what's going on here then? What's what's happened here? But yeah, um, quite a nice fitting way. And obviously, I mean, very nice thing for Roman Berkey to do to just let him score. Um, and obviously, Lukas Piszczek was bowing out as All well. In. So it was a very emotional. Dortmund. So yeah, it was a very emotional afternoon at Dortmund. So, um, it, and we we had an interview, um, quite nicely with the last Bender twins, uh, last Bender twins, the Bender twins, Lars and Sven, um, before the final game. And and Sven was talking about how it was quite fitting that he was going to have his last game back at Dortmund. Obviously, where he won two Bundesliga titles under Jurgen Klopp. And so it was just just a nice. You know, obviously, as you said, neither team was playing for anything. Dortmund were looking at looking to uh, shore up third place, but um, neither team really had any big goals to go for. So it was a nice setting for those three guys to bow out and and in a nice way and to do it all together as well. So um, it is quite funny as well that you mentioned that they retired on the same day because I looked it up before that they 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 made their debuts rating 60 Munich within about 3 months of each other as well so it's it's quite bizarre how they came in at the same team within 3 months of each other and then have left on the same team at the same time as well so it'd be interesting the
0: conversation they had probably one of them said i'm going to retire and then he had to try and like negotiate with the other one to retire as well just so it would work out quite nicely. Plus-
1: they're both walking around on one leg these days anyway, so I, I do understand why they've done it, but yeah. They
0: yeah. should have went back to 1860 Munich and just trying to help them make it into this fight, the bundesliga
1: Oh, they could have done with the help right <laughs> at the end there as well. Poor Sascha Moders was carrying the team on his own. <laughs> and so the Champions League places uh, for the Bundesliga are Bayern Munich,
0: RB Leipzig, FC Dortmund and Wolfsburg. In the Europa League, there's Eintracht Frankfurt and Bayer Leverkusen. And, and as we mentioned before, the Conference League is... Union Berlin. Uh, the teams relegated are Werder Bremen and Schauke and potentially Cologne uh, and promoted, as you mentioned earlier, Bochum. And I'm, I, my German isn't the best yet. And so I, I, I do struggle to say, is it Ger- Goethe? Ger- oh, Ger- Goethe Ger- further or something like that? <laughs> I can say other stuff fine. It's just, It's just that.
1: It is a really funny name. Uh, it's great um, there, there
0: you go they, they, they also got promoted <laughs> it's, it, it's other words in German I'm fine it's just that one I, I've always I've always a,
1: struggled with it very fiddly <laughs> one I have to give you that
0: and so obviously the biggest news around Germany has, has been the the managerial merry-go-round which has been going since February time since as, it, as Marco Rosa joining joining Brissy Dortmund was the thing that set this all off as obviously that left Glad back then looking for a manager and it didn't help that then Joachim Lowe announced he was going to leave as as, Germ, as German national team coach and so that's when it all started to kick off so Hansi Flick, the ex Bayern Munich manager, has gone to the German national team Julian Nagelsmann has gone to Bayern Munich Jesse March has came from RB Salzburg to RB Leipzig. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt's ex-manager, Adi Hutter, has moved to Brissi Mönchengladbach to place Marco Rosa, who is obviously meant to proceed Dortmund, as I said. He has been Mm -hmm. replaced by Oliver Glasner of Wolfsburg, who has left to join or I've got myself all confused now. Oliver Glasner has joined Eintracht Frankfurt as their manager and has left Wolfsburg, which is an odd decision, especially considering the fact that Wolfsburg in the Champions League, and he's most likely to be replaced by Mark van Bommel. And Bayer Leverkusen have appointed Sione from Young Boys as to replace Hannes Wolf, who was the interim, and then Peter Bosch, who got sacked early on in the season. So it's 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 a lot has happened. Seven out of the top eight teams don't have. But the manager they finished the season with is not going to be their manager on the first game back. And so, obviously, I would have asked you who's going to succeed the best. Obviously, you would probably say Nagelsmann. But taking Nagelsmann out of the picture, which of these do you think is, is best fit and most likely to succeed in, in one way?
1: Well, I mean, you, I mean, you could still keep Nagelsmann in by the fact that you expect Bayern to yeah. win the Bundesliga And that you just- then you'd put his um expectations on winning a champions league or winning at least the cup as well. Um but it's just mad that because obviously, you know, it happens a lot with managerial changes, especially in modern football that managers don't get given a lot of time. But for it to happen and and most of them to stay within the Bundesliga and switch clubs to rival clubs, that's what's the, the mad thing about it. Um but in terms of who could do well do the best, I mean um, I'm really excited about Marco Rosa joining Dortmund, but only if they invest the right way this summer. Because I mean, hopefully they can look uh, uh, keep hold of Sancho and, and Erling Haaland as well. But then you've got to look at investing in the defense and trying to shore that up as well, which is obviously what Marco Rosa had done. But you know, had the players there that were already shored up, obviously with Stefan Leiner and Rami Bentabini, but you know, it, it was already shored up with Ginter and Elvedi. Um, but also, um, well, I'll be interested to see how Wolfsburg go about, if it is Mark van Bong that comes in, how they go about their Champions League campaign. Because obviously, they were fantastic this season in terms of their defence and, and the way that they played. And that all came from Glasgow. And you, you heard from interviews from the players, they all loved working under him and thought that, thought that the way that they played was was really really good so for them to you know carry on as the squad that they are but without Glaser is going to be very interesting um, but yeah I'm, I'm not I'm not too sure who I think is going to do the best I mean even even Suarez at at, um, at Leverkusen is going to be an interesting one because I've never I've, I've obviously not watched Swiss football so I've, I've not kept up on how he plays or what what kind of? St- What's interesting about
0: this is he 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 masterminded Leverkusen's exit from the Europa League and completely obliterated yeah. them in in the first leg, and so they've
1: There's probably where they thought, okay, we're going to get him. After. Definitely, like you're used to seeing them sign players who have done well against them, but they've gone, okay, we'll get the coaching yeah. instead. Um, but in, if I have to give an answer, I'd say that I'm I'm hopeful that Michael Rosa will will have a really good first season. Game, but it depends a lot on who they bring in in the summer. I,
0: I think for me, I'll be interested to see how Jesse March does, especially with who they bring in. So if they bring in, obviously Dominic Sabozla is already there, but if they bring in like Pat and Daca, who's performed quite well for Salzburg, as well as some of some of the other players that have like Emuwepe and Koita possibly. I'm not saying they're going to happen. Patton Dak is probably the most likely one, but players that he's used at Salzburg and have thrived under him, it'd be interesting to see if he can recreate that. But obviously, Sabozlai is said was injured when he joined, and so hopefully next season, especially under Marsh, he's able to kind of light up the league, possibly. And I'm hope- yeah. Yeah. The great,
1: the great thing about Leipzig is that um, you know you think in the summer where they've lost Julian Alvarez and obviously just gone to Liverpool and the Pamukkana to Bayern, that they're going to really struggle next season. But then you think they've brought in, obviously, as you mentioned, Shabazz hasn't played, so he's going to be like a new signing. Brian Broby's already come in from Ajax. Um, Josip Guardial is going to come back from his loan at Zagreb and, and play. Simakan, uh, Simakan has, has come from uh, which yeah, Montpellier, I think. Strasbourg, thank you. Um, so they they've already set themselves up for for you know you know to build on next on last season rather than struggle to you know carry on what they had, even though they've lost three really important parts of their of their puzzle. So I I just love Leipzig's concept I and mean, if, if they didn't lose those three guys, they're not gonna lose them without replacing them the Please, So yeah, I agree. It's very interesting to see how how Marsh does in his first season. Obviously my my heart would like to see Adi Hutter
0: uh mastermind some shock Bundesliga title win for Priscila Gladbach. (laughs) I I don't even know what's going to happen there, genuinely, because obviously Matthias Ginza is looking at possibly leaving and then you've got Dennis Zakaria and Florian Neuhaus who are two of the most talented midfielders in Europe and that's not an exaggeration. That is genuinely fact. And so it'd it'd just be interesting to see how everything um, kind of pans out uh, back. definitely. And so, for the chant, tran- you obviously mentioned it in the past, or briefly, it was Ibrahima Canate's move to Liverpool. Um, some have said Kenata is actually better than Upa Cano, which is quite interesting, as obviously, I think Bayern Munich actually wanted both of them, but could only take one, or maybe, one team wanted both of them, but obviously they only got um, one. Do you think it's going to work? Well, do you think Canate's a is going to be a good signing for Liverpool?
1: I think he's going to be a really good signing for Liverpool because, I mean, I put it on Twitter earlier and a lot of people have replied to it and, and uh, different opinions. And as you mentioned, a lot of people said Canate is better than a Pamukano. Um I think personally that Kanate has a higher ceiling than a Pamukkano just because he is... As developed as pamacano is already, but without as many games, and um, you know, just hasn't quite had that, you know, spotlight thrown upon him that pamacano has had in the last few years. And he's not injury prone, but he's struggled with consistency and game time, and and really staying on the pitch for a, f- a full season at Leipzig. He hasn't he hasn't been able to do that properly, and so for me him as well being able to play alongside someone like Virgil van Dijk and be managed by someone like Jurgen Klopp it's the ideal setting for him at 22 to, to take the next step hopefully I'm just praying that he stays fit because it feels like one of those players that he could really really go far if he stays fit so so hopefully he does and then in terms of his high ceiling I think that if he does stay fit then the sky's the limit because he's got everything already and he's 22 years old so um, the only thing that's stopping him, stopping him is, is some injuries, so hopefully that stays away.
0: But obviously this came at a cost for Isken Kabak, who has been who's gone back to Schalke now. And so obviously Kabak didn't have the best of starts at Liverpool, as obviously he probably still thought he was playing for Schalke, and so they had to perform quite poorly. But obviously he did improve over time. But obviously it wasn't enough to keep him at the club. Who... Because I'm assuming you would think Kabak's going to leave now, or do you? Or unless you think he's going to stay and try and be at the heart of the defence that takes him back to the Bundesliga, but do you, where where do you think Kabak could go? Because obviously he hasn't had the best
1: chance to shine. Yeah, I mean it was a very difficult situation for him going to Liverpool because obviously he's coming from Schalke, who were dead and buried at that time already, basically. Been for a... a, a title-winning Champions League playing Liverpool team and you who know, are without Virgil van Dijk, the best centre-back in the world, without Joe Gomez, who's one of the most talented young defenders in the world. And then you throw Kabak in there straight away and expect him to help things out. So it was a really difficult situation for him. So it's been a mad year for him personally as well. I don't expect him to stay at Schalke. Um, I don't think he'll let himself afford a, a year in the, in the second division again. Um, like when he was at Stuttgart, so I would expect him to, to want a move, but I'm I'm honestly not sure whatsoever where where at all he could go because uh, he's had this last six months where you can't really can't really look at the last six months and see development on the pitch because it was such a difficult situation. Like a centre back playing for Schalke in this last season has has not been able to develop very well at all him then going to Liverpool and just sort of being put in the team without really being able to mould into it, if you know what I mean, is impossible to judge. Um, but he's a very talented young defender and I, I like to think that a lot of people will look at his last year and see how mentally strong he's been. I feel like he's handled himself really well and, and done the move to Liverpool was a very brave and obviously... Um, you know, it didn't quite work out as you would have wanted to by earning a place to stay there and be, be purchased permanently. But um, I, I like to imagine him going to a team in the Bundesliga. He's not going to be cheap because he's a very talented young Turkish defender. So, he's you know, high price that comes with that. But, um, yeah, I don't think he'll stay at Schalke, And I, I like to think that he'll earn himself a, a good move. And hopefully we can see him continue to develop. British Dortmund
0: have been on the hunt for a new
1: goalkeepers
0: obviously Roman Berkey has become uh, a bit more he's been pushed out of the first team and Marvin Hitz obviously came in but Marvin Hitz isn't the quality that Dortmund are after so they're on the verge of signing Gregor Kobel from uh, Stuttgart and what's interesting is that would leave Dortmund with three Swiss goalkeepers but obviously they still don't have the best one um, who is Jan Sommer? So it will be interesting to see what they do with um, Roman Berkey because obviously um, he's been so good for them in in seasons prior to this. But then obviously he, he has been quite, he has so, some mistakes of his ha- have been quite big for Dortmund and that's obviously saw him being casted out of the team. So it will be interesting what they do with him.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously coming in is is going to be wanting to earn that that number one spot, and you feel like with Kobel coming in that Berkey will say, okay, my time's done here. And as you said, when he first joined from Berkey, he, he looked really talented, and he looked like he was going to be a, a really good goalkeeper for them, and he was. But in the last year or two, you've seen mistakes surface, and you've seen. You know, there are a lot of question marks about Dortmund's defence as a whole. Is it a mentality problem or do they, you know, they brought back Tommels? Do they need some leadership? And in the end, it looks like after one or two years of question marks, <clears throat> the management have said "Look, we need to bring in a, a goalkeeper that we can set as our number one and, and really try and trust because as you said, Berkey was injured for a little bit of time, which brought hits his chance, but then hits stayed in and, and earned his number one spot. So, um, yeah, there were, there were always just a lot of question marks over Berkey and, and he always felt that Dortmund could never really title, title challenge with Berkey and goal um, obviously not going to turn around next season and say that with go or that they can but maybe in one or two years with a good defence in front of them as well then that's that's a, more, a goal that you can learn to trust more and obviously the young guy as well I think he's only 23 so you can build from that as well so
0: yeah. ironically, they should have actually went after Mike Magnon from Leo. But um, yeah, he obviously went to Milan. So now we're going to have our first break. And then we'll be back with our awards and our team of the season. Welcome back from our from our break. And so now we'll go on to our, our team of the season. So the standard rules apply. Um we've got it's two players max from a team, so it does make it quite difficult to because some people don't make the cut. And for my team, you'll you'll end up seeing that. So we'll first start with the goalkeeper. Um mine is mainly bean because I, I've used up my players. But I've gone for Petter mainly because also Leipzig uh, were one of the best defences in the Bundesliga and Petter Galachi is obviously at the heart of that and he's performed solidly throughout.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I like I as a pick, it's very nice. Uh, I went for Stefan Ortega who would have been my player of the year in terms of goalkeeper regardless of anything. Uh, he was just monstrous and I didn't expect it. Uh, oh, yeah. like,
0: the fact that he performed so well and obviously he had to face a lot of shots. Uh, Big and goal for Armenia Um he's, yeah. I, I it makes actually it makes better sense for him to be in it possibly instead of uh, Galachi because of the fact that he he has had to
1: deal with so much. But um, well, I mean, you could always put a relegation threatened goalkeeper yeah. in in because they faced the most shots. But for me, like Ortega has pulled off some of the best saves of the, of the season and also genuinely won his team a lot of points from the saves he's made. So, yeah, that's, that's why he's in. And so, um, defense now. So, mine, one of
0: mine is not the defender, but I've done it because of where he has played um, this season. So, my right back is Silas Wamingatuka. Obviously he is the Bundesliga rookie of the season. And obviously he was having a great season as well until he sadly tore his, his ligament. And he would and he, he's showing the potential um, that he has and he'll probably go a long way. Yeah, and he, he, his immense pace as well is just something to behold and any team that has or that could possibly buy him this summer if he is to leave but obviously he's injured so that does put a lot of people off him Um, he'll be an asset to anyone mainly just because of his immense pace Um, then my two centre-backs one is Mats Hummels He was especially when Dortmund were playing quite poorly he was one of the only um, standout players and when Dortmund were in that rough patch you could tell how much it meant to him Is when he would speak to the media he'd be like "We're we're not performing well at all and he it would be the face of, of the of the poorly performing Dortmund. Uh, my other centre back is Maxime Lacroix, obviously um, at the heart of the Wolfsburg defence and in the charge for the for the Champions League. And the fact he's only twenty and performing at such a high level in his first season in the Bundesliga as well is is immense. And then my left back is Borna Sosa um, from from Stuttgart, the Croatian. German, who then became Croatian again. Um, he has provided mostly assists for Sasa Kalajic mainly because of the fact Sosa will just whip in the crosses and Sasa Kalajic will get onto them due to the fact he's two metres tall. And so, yeah, obviously Sosa has the stats to back him up, but he's also just a, a solid pick at left back.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Uh, I mean, he was going to be my pick at left back, but then I well, I had a choice of who I wanted to go for. So my my defence um, right back is uh, Rid Labaku, who um, joined Wolfsburg after a couple of games with Mainz. But, uh, you know, he didn't exclusively play at right back, played a lot at right mid as well, but just had a fantastic first season and, and sort of one of those unexpected ones where you, I thought he joined from, joined from Mainz, he'll be a good squad player for them, but won't really, you know, earn a first team spot but as soon as he joined he started and, and fought with Kevin and Barbu to start right back and then in the end they worked together down the right flank so uh, Baku um, he, was my choice but then I thought I can't leave out Wem and <laughs> uh, well I've done it in a way that I haven't <laughs> as Well, um, but then my, my centre backs are the same as yours Matt Sinclair and, and Mats Hummels um, I don't think I need to say anything more than you did as well and then Angelino at left-back, um, just because, you know, he had a quite a poor end to the season, really. Um, I don't think anyone from Leipzig really had a good end to the season, but the way he started the season and um, before Christmas and around that sort of time was just incredible to be the club's top scorer from left-back and, you know, the way he carried them in the Champions League as well um, out, out of the groups was, was immense. And, and I just thought he really... Uh, was not just a, a left-back, but sort of with the whole left side, a bit like Filip Kostic does for, for Frankfurt. And uh, so, yeah, he's, he's, he's my left-back. And that's my defence. And obviously his antics on Twitter. Are. His his tweets are fantastic. I've replied to them just to say, like, what's going on? I, I've, <laughs> I've done that as and, well.
0: I managed, and I got a reply from him as well. I was like, Angelino, why aren't you in the squad? He's like, I prefer not to speak. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> And I just want to mention the fact that when I met him last week at the media days and we, we got to work with him, he has a Manchester accent in English and it is the most off-putting thing ever because you just don't expect it. So that was, that was a good thing. That's another good thing about him. He has a Mank accent, which is hilarious. He's had
0: the oddest career path New York, Manchester to Leipzig as well. And so, yeah, yeah. and to stop at PSV. Uh, So now on to midfield. So my two certain ones, I've gone for Leon Goretzka, who um, has been immense this season. Um, He's becoming more well-rounded and the partnership between him and Kimmich is probably one of, if not the best in the world, as they both are so great at everything. Obviously, Kimmich is a bit more defensively minded and Leon Goretzka will push forward more and and scored the goals, but both both of them together are immense. But I, I feel like Goretzka has been that slightly better player this season. Um, my other sh- uh, surefire midfielder was Maximilian Arnold from from Wolfsburg. I he's been probably underrated this year due to the fact he is not one of the he's not a devout veg horse that everyone knows. Um, yeah, and I do believe that um, Maximilian Arnold probably actually deserved a place in the Germany squad, but due to the fact he only has one cap um, to his name and he's probably not the type of player Joachim Lowe like likes to have and that means he's, he's missed out and he obviously he has been a stalwart of the Wolfsburg team now for several years. And my final, um, <laughs> my final midfield position, uh, I, I chopped and changed this several times. So I originally put Jude Bellingham, but then I, I considered De Hoot as well, as obviously De Hood has had a great season and seemed to revive his Brissie Dortmund career. But then I went back to Jude Bellingham because mainly due to the fact that Bellingham has been... More consistent throughout the whole season as De Hood of not to his own fault, was exiled by Lucien Favre, and but obviously was brought in under Edin Terzic. Whereas Bellingham was in from the start, and the fact his own you know, he was 17 when he started, and he's performing at such a high level, is is immense, and that's I just felt like I couldn't leave
1: him out. Nice, yeah. no, I like those. I like those pictures would be great. Hood was fantastic this season as well, and the fact that Bellingham even. Uh, even played as many games as he did, this mm-hmm. um, for a guy of his age. Uh, I I just have one holding midfielder, mainly due to the the fact that I can only have two players from a certain team. So, I've just got Savitzer sat in midfield on his own. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Quite weird how he's turned from a right winger into a, into a holding midfielder. Last year he was in second field and now he's been a holding midfielder. And he's on to every position like a duck to water basically and just has been perfectly fine in, in all of them um, on the right on the right wing I've gone to Silas one I was going to go for Jadon Sancho but then I've gone Hummels and Haaland so Silas is, uh, is there um, as you said it's a shame that he had his season cut short by injury but um, the way he obviously joined Stuttgart in the summer and then has just been fantastic in his first season he's scoring 11 goals um, and just Dominating down the right with his, with his pace has, has been uh, really, really fun to watch. On the left, Philip Kostic from Frankfurt. Just, I mean, I think that pick speaks for itself. Really, he, it's just funny how he was such a, I don't want to say average, but he, he you know, didn't shine quite the way he's doing now. While he was at Stuttgart and Hamburg, and I bet Stuttgart and Hamburg fans are thinking, what on earth is what on earth has he done at Frankfurt? Because this is not the same player. But, um, yeah, he's, he's been absolutely outstanding this season. And then Tommy Muller at, at Cam. Um, again, I didn't think he would would do quite as well this season as he did last season. And it's just kind of the same mentality that you spoke about with Hummels in terms of fronting up to the cameras and stuff. He had a really difficult time. But this season especially as well hasn't always had it easy. I remember him speaking after they got dumped out of the German Cup by Kiel and speaking after the game in the snow and he was the only one who came and did interviews and, and spoke about it. And uh, it's just that that mentality of that player. He's like such he's such an important player on the pitch and off the pitch in the dressing room. And the fact that he provided so many assists this season shows just how good he is. I really think he's one of the very best players in the world. So um it's been good to see him prove that again this season. My my favourite quote from Thomas Miller this season was I think they they
0: played they just played Stuttgart. And he was like it's like uh, a rainy night on Tuesday in Stoke, but it's not raining. It's not Tuesday, and we're in Stuttgart. <laughs> it was something along those lines. I've I've paraphrased it. You're right.
1: Yeah, no, you're, right, you're right. I think he spoke to Archie when he was doing that as well. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: and so obviously because I've went for the the standard four three three. My three attackers, obviously Philip Kostic, um he like. As you said, it, it speaks for himself. And, and I've also had to go for his partner in crime, Andre Silva, who has had an immense season. Um, and the fact that he's second, the fact that going, I'm not taking it away from Andre Silva, but the fact that three players, one of us obviously scored over 30 goals, but both Andre Silva and Erling Haaland both had nearly 30 as well, is just outstanding, outstanding really, that the fact that so many people are scoring so many goals but yeah Andre Silva after his career looked to be on the rocks uh, when he was at AC Milan and Sevilla was he actually yeah he was
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, no I thought that was a fever dream because I signed him on FIFA when I was managing Sevilla so I thought did that actually happen Um, but yeah he's managed to revive his career under uh, Andre Silva he's managed to revive his career at Eintracht Frankfurt and for Frankfurt as well he's actually been a a solid replacement for Luka Jovic as well, who obviously has ended up rejoining, but yeah, and obviously that has meant uh, Andre Silva could possibly leave this summer as well For as there's a host of clubs, including Manchester City, after him and ov- obviously my final attacker there's no one else but Robert Lewandowski, and the fact that he scored 41 goals, I think that really just speaks for itself, and the fact that he's not old but he's He's slowly approaching what what some would consider the end of his career, but obviously he doesn't, and he's still performing at such a high level. And and he'll probably keep going for much longer.
1: No, yeah, I like that a lot. Um I've gone for two up front and uh, my two are obviously Robert Lewandowski. Um no question asked there. Um I'm not gonna leave about how he scored 41 goals in the season, so. Lewandowski's then, and I've gone for early Haaland mainly because um, again you know he, he only played I think he only played 28 games this season no tw- 29 games this season and uh, or 28 no he's 28 games this season scored 27 goals and you know obviously you'd expect him to do that for a team like Dortmund and it will be among you know big chances but I feel like he's really improved his whole game massively um, while also keeping on scoring goals as well and so that's why I put him in ahead of silver. but I think you could have had a flip of a coin and, and chosen either one of those. So yeah, that's that's what I've gone for.
0: And so obviously, onto play of the year, I've I've gone for Lewandowski. There's not really, uh, there's not many anything else or more I can say for it because it, it just speaks for itself.
1: I I may have also gone for Robert Lewandowski yeah. because when you score forty-one goals in a season, you you Typically, win all the awards, so yeah, that's an obvious yeah. one. Robert Lovevento. I'm sorry we haven't gone for two <laughs> days, but I think it's quite impossible to do that in this in these. Just... So, young player of the year. I I've actually
0: had a tough time with this one. So, some could say I've, I've cheated, but I've got three. I've got three <laughs> because thinking about it, the three are Silas Mwamkatuka, Maxine Lacroix and Jude Bellingham. All I could give it for like different reasons but then obviously part of me says each of these deserve it or they yeah i can't distinguish between the three why one deserves it more than the other because obviously wangetuka won the rookie of the year and and got the goals and, and we've talked about it in the past maxine lacroix was obviously not in the running for the voting as he never won rookie of the month which i i think is a shame um and I uh, obviously, the fact he was at the heart of the Wolfsburg defence is obviously what why I do think he deserves to win it as well. And obviously, Jude Bellingham uh, is 17 and performing at such a high level in the Dortmund team. And as t- has been at times, Dortmund's best player on the pitch, which is immense. It's the club the size of Dortmund are relying on someone as young as he is. And so, yeah, I just genuinely couldn't distinguish any of them because they all deserve it in their own right.
1: No, I, I I totally agree. To be honest, any of those its just been really fun to see. Not only you know we expect to see young players perform well at the Bundesliga, but to see three totally new guys to the league in in you know teams where I don't think any of them were expected to perform quite as well as they have done. Doing what they did this season was just it was great to watch. Uh, I went for Jude Bellingham mainly because you know he's only 17. And the side of the club he went to, as you mentioned, and you know, the fact that he, he not he joined the club and and did for a high fee, but I don't think anyone expected him. I don't think he expected. Actually, that's probably a lie because he's got that mentality to say to himself, "I, I I've, they've, you know, they've invested in me. Why can't I, you know, start this many games straight away?" And so he's gone, and you know beating off Emre Chan to, to shore up a spot. Obviously, the injury to Axel Witzel helped out a little bit, but he's kept Julian Brandt sat on the bench for most of the season and looked good while doing it. And, you know, not only done it in the in the Bundesliga, but done it in the Champions League. Remember that performance against um, Man City, where Pep Guardiola said he couldn't believe that he was 17. And I think that is what a lot of people have, have been saying, not only with what he's done on the pitch, but I also love listening to his interviews because... He's just got his head switched right on, and you can tell that he's been brought up the right way. He knows how to speak and control himself, and and you know um, talk uh, talk about himself and and what he expects of himself. And and I love that, and I really think that that's going to stand him in good stead uh, in the next couple of years at least that he spends at Dortmund. It does annoy me that he is younger than me because he's got <laughs> to
0: that point now where the players are younger than me and performing quite highly. And so it's quite a shame <laughs> to watch. Um,
1: do you have a coach of the year? Uh, if I had to give one, I, I would I would say Urs Fischer, as I mentioned earlier, just because I thought the way that he um, bounced, uh, bounced on, not bounced back, but bounced on from, from what they did last season is just immense. Yep. I would say Urs I
0: think you could actually argue
1: Edin Turzik.
0: Um, because obviously he, he, he has turned Dortmund's season around. It was looking quite um, bleak and that they would actually miss out on, on Champions League football. Obviously, he managed to make them finish third when fourth looked very unlikely. And obviously, he also won the Deutsche Pokal. out. And yep. so I, I do think you could easily make an argument for Edin, Edin Terzic winning winning or being the coach of the year. So on, on the goal of the season... There is there is one clear winner here. If you give me any other answer, I, I do believe that it's wrong and that is clearly <laughs> Valentina Lazaro's scorpion kick against Bayer Leverkusen and I'm not just saying that because it was pushing
1: back. Uh, I mean, I unlike Lewandowski, I, I knew that Lazaro was going to be the kick pick for goal of the season and it is the goal of the season but to play a devil's advocate I thought of a different goal and you know, Lazaro's goal was one of those ones where you saw it and you didn't expect it, and you sort of sat there and was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe I've just seen." I genuinely never thought I'd see anything like that in a live game, um, and that is the kind of feeling that I got when Yusuf Powelson scored his, yeah. his left-footed against in October, and that was the same kind of, you know, with with, with you know working on football, you sort of. Sometimes a goal goes in and you, you don't really take a moment to appreciate it because you're sort of working and writing and whatever. But that goal, as well as Lazaro's, was one where I really sat there and sat back and was like, oh my God, what on earth has he just done? And so just to just to change it up and say something different from Lazaro, I, I went for Paulson as well because it was a bloody good goal. Uh, just honourable mention, honorable mentions of obviously Marcelo Sabitzer against Hertha Berlin.
0: Uh, Nadim Amiri against Frankfurt, I think, where he back-heeled it in. And then Silas Wamingatuka yeah. versus Werder Bremen. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> That's a thing, yeah,
0: That was actually going to be one of the next goals of, goal of the year, mainly because of the fact of how much of a shit house it was and how how angry <laughs> uh, David Selke got at it. And so now on to our over- and underachievers. When we mean overachiever, we don't... We mean it in a nice way you know so a team has performed a lot better than expected and so I've gone for Union Berlin mainly because of the fact that they've qualified for Europe in their second season in the Bundesliga and I, I think that we've, we've spoken about Union Berlin enough and it just their rise has been immense and yeah it's not really else, anything yeah. else I can say oh no I mean
1: I think another team Again, just, you know, I, I think it was the obvious one, and I thought I would have time to a different one. Therefore, for me, it was Armenia I Bielefeld mainly because I think everyone, including myself, thought that they'd be straight back down in the season. Mainly because we didn't expect the Chalcourt or Bremen or even a Cologne to quite be down there as deep as they were. I think a lot of people ping Bielefeld to the spot from the end of the season and, and the way that they've battled out of it, obviously. But you has know, been, been fantastic. And again, I, I I like to put that down to some good recruitment from ben, bringing in someone like Richie Gohan, Um, and obviously having a goalkeeper like Stefan Ortega as well. Obviously helps you in that situation because they don't they didn't really have a big goal story this season. And so for me, that's why Ortega is one of my players this season because you know you look at relegation certainty and you think they need a guy to score 15 goals to keep, get them out of it. And in this season, it's been Stefan Ortega who's kept out 20, 30 goals and kept them out of it. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I'll, I'll doff my cap to Bielefeld. As well as, because unlike Bremen, they changed their manager uh, in a time where a lot of people thought, but it clearly worked in the end because Frank Kramer came in and, and made the difference and kept them up. So um, just good management overall from them to, to keep themselves in the league. Think about. it.
0: Think about it. You could do mines as well. The fact they were uh, stuck at the bottom, uh, just a few points above Schalke, but they bring in Bo Svensson and they completely turn their season around and comfortably um, escape relegation as well. well yeah, he could be one of the managers this season. or probably should be. Yeah. yeah. As our underachiever, there's one obvious one, and that is that is Schalke. The fact that they, <laughs> well, that they. The decline begun in January last year. And then the fact they didn't win a game until they beat Hoffenheim 4-0. But but it's been terrible. And yeah, the the amount of different managers they've had this season. um, It's just been a shit show, really. And it it has been for a while. And it's kind of all accumulated now.
1: No, yeah, and and that's why. I mean, I think they're quite an obvious underachiever, but also for me, they're not mine because I I, I went into this season and telling, were telling, I was telling people, I think are going to go down. I don't think they're after the first five or six games. I thought I don't know if they're going to win a game this season because I've never seen the team be that, you know, uh, just completely. A void of any sense of structure or shape or even you know desire to, to go and be a team. Um but in terms of an underachiever this season specifically Hertha in were mine, uh just because you know the recruitment that we've seen over the last year, a lot of obviously everyone expects them to be challenging for Europe. But I mean, I think a mid-table finish would have been not great either, but okay. But the fact that they were really battling against relegation until the final two match days of the season is is quite shocking for them. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of question marks about about them and their management because it's another one of those signs where you can have a lot of money, you can have a big team and have good ideas, but if you don't get the right people in to, to manage it all, then it can all go quite wrong. So, yeah, Hurtable in my team. And they're
0: obviously trying to uh, counteract by going after Freddie Bobic... Um, from Frankfurt who obviously has done a decent job at Frankfurt and they're obviously hoping that he can uh, emulate that there and we also have to mention that Sammy forgot to mention it earlier Sammy Kadira is obviously retired as well and he played his last game for Hertha Berlin uh, last weekend as well
1: Yeah I feel like he's always had an underrated career I think he's been uh, awesome and it's just a shame that it sort of ended in the way that it did at Hertha sort of out on the on the fly
0: really. He yeah. should he should have joined his brother, who was join he's joining yeah. Unión. So yeah.
1: It would have been nice to have a Berlin Derby with with guns against him. Yeah.
0: So now we're gonna have our our goals on break and then we will be back with the preview of the Champions League final. <laughs> Uh, welcome back from our goal song break you just heard the Werder Bremen goal song which is chosen by Alex as he wanted to shout them out obviously because they're now in the the Bundesliga so um,
1: what would you give that a rating out of 10 ooh I, I actually really enjoy that for a goal song uh, so I'm going to give it a solid 8 and also because a nice little shout out to Josh Sargent and hopefully I mean as we mentioned earlier, I don't know if he's going to stay or not, but it'll be great to see him scoring. I don't goals think he's going to
0: listen to this, So
1: <laughs> I, can, I can send it to him. I can That'd send it to great, him. Greatly appreciate
0: it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it um, a six, mainly because it sounded quite similar for the Holstein-Kiel one, which we had, obviously, after the ship one. No similarity at all, but mainly because <laughs> of the ship one. So, obviously, now we are going. There's a small matter, as Alex said earlier, after the big game that's on Saturday of the second um, leg of the playoff between Cologne and Kiel. Um, there's a small matter of the Champions League final between Manchester City and, and Chelsea, which is being played in Porto, which I still believe is wrong, but that's, that's a very different story. Obviously, Manchester City steamrolled the Premier League but Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel are a completely different outfit and have become a lot more solid defensively and so is it is this final going to be, obviously all finals are tense apart from the Deutsche Pokal final but most, especially Champions League finals are quite tense. Do you think um, Manchester City are going to not walk this but is going to be a lot easier for them, or do you think because of the fact Thomas Tuchel has beaten has beaten Manchester City twice already this season, and he himself has experienced the Champions League final more recent than Pep Guardiola, um, do you, or do you think
1: that's going to be a factor? I, I, I think that it's going to be a really tight game, a lot tighter than I would have imagined six months ago, um, and that is mainly down to Thomas Tuchel and the way that he's got this Chelsea team performing. Uh, I, I listened to Pep Guardiola speaking to Rio Ferdinand earlier and talking about how Chelsea is so difficult to beat because they have the three centre backs and then the two holding midfielders are so tight, and then they have the wing backs running up and pace going forward. It's just a really horrible team to play against. He said, and um, and yeah, T- Thomas Tuchel is uh, you know he's got his way of playing, but it's also a way of playing that shows absolutely no fear and, and and doesn't hide against a team like Man City who are used to dominating uh, other teams. And so, I, I mean, I think obviously it's a final, so neither, neither side's got anything to lose. And and the fact that Tuchel has beaten Guardiola twice this season will just fill him and his side with confidence. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot tighter than, than what I would have thought of six months ago. And hopefully... It's not going to be tight and dull. I think hopefully it's going to be tight and, and entertaining. And um, and yeah, I, honestly, as, as a Leeds fan, it's a bit of a weird situation because I don't really know who I want to win because I don't really want either of them to win. Not that Man City are a big rival or anything, but um, yeah, I would have preferred to see a Bayern Munich in the final. But, um, but yeah, I'm just hoping to be entertained. And I think with those two teams, it's quite difficult to not be entertained. I, I would like Chelsea to win. Mainly for for my own sanity,
0: because uh, the fact that Manchester City it, it just seems to appeal to me more that Manchester City continue to never win the Champions League. It's a bit like it's a bit like PSG really. So yeah. yeah. So obviously, I I would like I Chelsea that. to win, and I'm I wouldn't say I'm, I'm solidly confident on it, but obviously, as you said, since Thomas Tuchel's came in, Chelsea are a completely different team under. Uh, under him and obviously they have gotten the better Pep Guardiola in the past and I still do believe that despite the fact that this is a Champions League final, that that's not going to change and the fact that it could potentially be a bit more tense because obviously finals are quite low scoring and I think that would suit uh, Thomas Tuchel down to the T and I do think he would have learned from last year um, under under PSG his mistakes, and he can improve that now. And it's also that a debutant in the final has never actually really won the Champions League. So the omens are looking in Chelsea's favour. So can I, can I get a prediction of you? I'm putting you on the spot here. You
1: can. Um, oh, I, I I think it's going to go to extra time. Uh, I think it might be a one-all. Go to extra time, and then. In extra time, I feel like Man City might sneak it with some players off the bench. Maybe I don't know if Riyad Mahrez might start or or maybe Sterling's going to be on the bench. One of those guys will come on and and maybe make a difference. Um, So, yeah, I can see... I I think Man City are going to win either in extra time or or on penalties. The player I choose, uh, I'm putting my head on the line, is
0: Timo Verne is going to come good in this game. He's going to... Him and Kai have Kai Havertz has started to come into his own. And Timo Werner will score the winning goal and, and win Chelsea the Champions League. It, it it will finish probably 1-0 and Timo Werner scored in the first half, but that's all that matters. And it'd be one of the most boring finals ever, but it doesn't matter in the end. So yeah. <laughs> so that that's it for today. Um thank you, Alex, for, for joining us, for joining me once again. Um Obviously, Nick couldn't have been here for obvious reasons. But yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on again. And yeah, so thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, Josh Sargent, for listening as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so we will see you no. next week as we'll probably have our final preview in the series, as well as reviewing everything before we have our break before the Euros. And yeah, um, thank you for listening. Please follow, um, subscribe leave us a rating, whatever. Yeah, I'll see you next time.